0: Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. Before we get into the Mike Blayback interview, I wanted to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PickDrop. Pick is a really great tool for when you need to send off those files to your clients, whoever you're working with. You can create private galleries, different folders for whatever various assignments you're working on. Your clients can actually write notes on the photos and rate them. And for me, I've been using it for a few months now and really enjoy it. It's kind of helped me keep myself organized. I got all my photos in one spot and it's just kind of streamlined my business for years, I was using, like, Dropbox and WeTransfer and things like that. But with PickDrop, it was, it was designed by photographers, so they really understand what photographers need. And I can't say enough about it. Like I said, I've been enjoying it. And with today's podcast, if you enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, you're going to get three months free when you sign up at PickDrop.com. So definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. And remember to enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, you'll get three months free when you sign up at PickDrop.com. Thanks so much, and without further ado, we'll get into the Mike Blayback interview. Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Mike Blayback. Mike is one of the most respected skateboard photographers working today, having spent over 25 years shooting with some of the best skaters in the world, such as Danny Way, Josh Kalis, Stevie Williams, and Colin McKay, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Mike about his experience photographing legendary skateboarder Danny Wei when he jumped the Great Wall of China. And I also speak to Mike about some of his commercial work for brands such as Nike, Oakley, Hewlett Packard, and the NFL to name a few. Mike is a photographer whose work I've looked up to since I was a kid, so I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him about everything he's accomplished over the course of his career. And also I just wanted to let you guys know about Mike's print store, where he has so, so many iconic skate photos available for purchase. Um, I'll, I'll put the link in the des- description. Um, you can also check out Mike's Instagram, at Blayback Photo. Uh, lots of cool prints available. And also just want to give a big thanks to Mike. Um, like I said, been a big fan of his work for years. So I was really pumped to do this. Um, so I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. Well, Mike Blayback. Welcome to the podcast, dude. Thanks for taking the time to do this. You're very welcome, man. Thank you. Um, how, how's it been going, man? I know when I last talked to you, you were in Toronto. I think you were shooting in New York. Uh, what were you working on?
1: Um, Toronto was a job for Honeywell, um, which I had no idea they did so much stuff. <laughs> they, yeah, was it, they, they make all kinds of things. Yeah, they make like generators
0: and stuff, right?
1: Well... I mean, no, they they have, like, an aerospace program. They they make, like, I shot portraits of engineers with, like, stuff that they, like, basically, like, this guy who's an engineer that, like, he makes stuff for firefighters that take all the carcinogens out of the air, like a mask, you know, and then, like, some woman that makes, like, headphones that take sounds, like, frequencies of sounds out of the, you know, the, so that the workers' ears don't get blasted and they can still talk to each other. Like, it, you know, went yeah. to... Um, some aerospace place, you know? like So just portraits of people. They make all kinds of shit. had no idea.
0: That's pretty so. cool. You like doing that stuff?
1: Love doing that stuff. Um,
0: you know, it makes...
1: Like, growing up shooting skateboarding makes me appreciate aspects of doing commercial work and vice versa. You know, like, I love the freedom of just going out with my friends and, like, yeah. shooting skating and, like, doing stuff that, like, people really... You know, like, I mean, I've shot photos 20 years ago that people still hit me up for prints of and like, you know, people hit me up and they're like, oh, I grew up like looking at your photos, you know, and that is amazing to me. You know, like that's fucking incredible because I used to tear pages out of magazines myself as a kid and like (laughs) stare at them on my wall. So like for me to be able to create stuff like that still is like insane. Yeah. But commercial work, you know, like monetarily speaking, it's amazing. Yeah um and how professional everyone is and just like to have the opportunity to do that kind of work coming from skateboarding i appreciate too because i don't have like a rep or an agent or like all that kind of shit i just it's through yeah. you know word of mouth and knowing people at agencies and like that kind of thing so that's the best way to do pretty it Pretty awesome.
0: And like, how do you approach those shoots? Because like, so much of skateboard photography, you know, is this like lugging your own gear around. Skate photographers don't have, <laughs> don't don't have assistance. But then when the commercial stuff, there's almost like, there almost is like a you feel like there's like a dog and pony show. You have to, there's like a, a production aspect because people are paying you a lot of money. You have to make it like see, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is it this kind of a different workflow when you're working with these agencies and stuff? It it is and
1: it's not. I mean, some of the stuff like if it's a still shoot only Mm. it's most certainly a dog and pony show where it's like, you know, clients there and everyone has their monitors and like there's good craft services. And it's like super nice, you know, um, this job, they were filming commercial and although like the stills were certainly not an afterthought, um, and is a big, I mean, it's like a, they're rebranding the company and it's like a giant ad campaign and the whole nine. Mm. Um, That said, I still only had like 15 minutes per subject, which was insane. So growing up skating, you know, jumping over fences and running away from cops for years on end kind of allows me to work in that space and not be terribly stressed, Hmm. even though like, you know, because I'm like, fuck, I just I have to get a really, really good portrait of this guy and get the client a lot of options and get in and out so that the day can keep moving. You know, that's my job when I'm on a set like that. Yeah, um, but skateboarding has given me the tools to be able to do that because some lady screaming at me <laughs> or trying to throw water on me or the cops like threatening to arrest me is yeah. way worse than like a first AD like, giving me a little grief. <laughs> Hell yeah, because you know, but... I'm
0: sure you've run into the situation with skate photography. I know when I used to shoot skating early on, like as you know like people don't want you to skate the spots or security a lot of times you got to like set your lights up beforehand like around the corner (laughs) put them down so it's like you're this used to working quick in those scenarios huh
1: (laughs) yeah no i've I've done just about everything um you know like literally setting up and like pretending that i'm like shooting some like you know i'm like a college kid like shooting my friend hanging (laughs) out near the rail like just pretending to like do what i'm not there doing you know and then just be like all right dude i'm ready you know and then just being able to like know that it's lit and you know Mm. just being able to get away with it i mean the other thing too is skating there's no you know like when you're doing commercial work there's there's a lot more thought and planning going into everything. Yeah. Um, you know, like you scout locations, you see when the light's best. Like it's looks good here this time. We need this equipment. Like skating, there's none of that shit. You're just like fuck it. Like mm-hmm. I feel like skating this right now. Like could be the worst light ever, yep. and you still have to make it work. So.
0: Yeah. No, it's interesting, man. And I guess like to go back, like, uh, where did you grow up, and how do you kind of get into photography initially?
1: You know, I, I grew up in Ohio. I was born in Ohio. I grew up in Michigan. I, my folks moved to Michigan when I was, I think, 11. Um, and that's when I really started skateboarding. Um, prior to that, um, photography was something that I'd just always been interested in. I don't even know why. Like, I just was always fascinated with cameras and how they worked and, like, how a photograph magically appeared out of nowhere, you know? Like, I just, ever since I was a little kid, I remember having, like, a 110 camera when I was, and like first grade, you oh, know, like wow. just being fascinated by it. And then when I was, when I moved to Michigan, right around, I think, 11 or 12, I got a built a dark room in my parents' basement and like really got into it. And skateboarding kind of like catapulted me further into photography, mm-hmm. even though I didn't shoot photos
0: of skating, like
1: they were just two separate things. But skateboarding got me stoked on, on photography for sure.
0: That's cool. So you're just kind of shooting random stuff before you got sh- shooting skating? Yeah, I mean I shoot portraits and
1: like, you know,
0: landscapes
1: and just, you know, all kinds of stuff and just processing my own film and learning like how to develop film and print photos and just the nuances of like how that whole yeah.
0: process works and you know I, I spend a lot of time reading books
1: and magazines and all that kind of stuff you know as a kid growing up
0: yeah yeah one of my favorite photos Gallant has i think it's in his bathroom or somewhere in his house it's a fo- <laughs> it's a f it's a photo you took it was like a lightning storm and you're like in a parking lot or something uh yeah yeah I don't know where that was shot, but it was like this really cool it was in Lansing
1: Michigan in nineteen eighty nine um it was just curbs that i used to skate as a kid and there was a gnarly lightning storm and i had my camera you know in my car so i just was like fuck i'm gonna (laughs) try and shoot some lightning (laughs) and i worked at a camera store so i remember like driving straight there and getting processing the film and being so stoked to actually like get some of it you know
0: yeah that's cool that's cool so you're working like a camera store in high school
1: yeah i worked at um a ritz camera growing up in the mall and I assisted a guy um, shooting weddings as well, oh, which wow. was insane. We would shoot the wedding and I would shoot like, I was basically like third camera dude. But everything that I shot, we would process the film at the church yeah. in, the, in the sink and mount the slides and go to the reception and have a slideshow. Holy shit. Of the wedding. And it would like blow people's minds. You know, like now it's just like whatever, what the fuck ever, like who gives you shit, you know, but. That's
0: fucking seeing crazy. Photos. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: no, it was amazing. So, yeah. I'm, I'm... That's cool. And then I guess when did you kind of start shooting skating more? You just kind of got more into shooting skating. Was it just kind of shooting your friends around Michigan pretty much?
1: A little bit. Um, but, you know, like, to me, like, I was such a skate rat that my camera kind of got in the way of, shoot, of skating with my friends, you know. And even when I moved to San Francisco... I met everyone in the city, you know, like I'd scan in barcadero by myself all the time. And eventually like dudes like Carl Watson and Mesa and Scott Johnston and Carol and those guys would be like, Hey, you know, like, what's up, man? Like I befriended a lot of the pros in the city. And after we got to know one another and they realized I took photos, they're like, fuck, you should shoot photos of us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I guess, you know, and that's kind of how I really,
0: yeah. really
1: got jumped into like shooting skateboarding was like, shooting those guys you know which couldn't have been a better learning process
0: yeah i kind of always remembered that like i had the same thing because i was like a skate rat too and it's on your camera you you have to like babysit it because you're in the city so it's, <laughs> you, you don't have that like freedom just to push around because in the back of your mind you're like where's my fucking camera bag where's my camera bag no jack of my shit you know um well i mean that too like and
1: had i gone to had i rolled up as like a skinny kid from Michigan to Embarcadero and been like, hey, I'm here to take photos of you guys. Like, <laughs> Kelch would have robbed my ass real quick. Like, I would have gotten jacked, like, super fast. you know what I mean? So, it's like, they all got to know me as a skater. And then it was just like, all right, cool. Like, Blaze is here with his cameras after we were all homies and friends, you know? So...
0: And like, so when you moved to San Francisco, was it, did you like even have it in a goal in your mind to like be a skate photographer at that point? Or was it this kind of, you're this moving out there because you wanted to be out in the, in the skate scene and whatnot?
1: I moved there solely to just be in the skate scene. I mean, in Bar- San Francisco, Embarcadero was like, that was where skateboarding was at that point in time. And like, so I just, I literally moved there just to skate for the summer Mm. Mm-hmm and once i got there i'm like fuck this place is amazing i'm certainly not leaving here um but then within about 6 months of living there i had a retainer from Transworld and worked for Mad Circle and like so I, yeah. it was like
0: all happened pretty quickly yeah
1: um so i was really really lucky you know
0: yeah that's pretty amazing um, cuz at that point who who were the other staff photographers at Transworld obviously what Grant and Dave Swift or who else was working there at that point when you jumped on board
1: um, I think Mickey was still shooting photos then. I might be mistaken. Mm. Um, but I do know that they did not have many guys, or they had zero dudes in San Francisco. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I used to write Grant letters when I was a kid growing up. Like, I would just ask him about, like, how this photo get taken? Or, like, I would send him, like, a slide and be like, I shot this photo of my friend. Like, what's up with this? You know, and he'd always... You'd always write me back and be like, Your horizon line sucks or fucking, yeah.
2: you know what I
1: mean? Like, it's out of focus, you know, type thing. So yeah. I was sort of loosely on his radar. And then when I moved to SF, after I shot an ad of Scott Johnston and it got used, that's when the light bulb kind of dimly went on. And I was like, all right, like maybe I'll start shooting photos of all my friends. And I started sending Grant film. And then he started, you know, noticing like, Fuck! So, like, this guy's like shooting like Carol and Chico and all these dudes. So like he started sending me, you know,
0: boxes of film, and eventually got a retainer from the magazine. So wow, that's it pretty, all kind of worked out. That's pretty amazing. In your book, which I was looking at last night. And I was actually amazed that it came out 10 years ago. It, I, I didn't really, I, I thought, I felt like it this came out a couple of years ago, but that book you published, <laughs> I was like, holy fuck, man, 10 years went by. Uh, but one of the things you had in there, which was really cool, is you wrote Lance Mountain, uh, for people listening, Lance Mountain is one of the legendary skateboarders. You wrote him a letter, I don't know if you were in high school or how old you were, asking him how to be, school. how to be, yeah, middle school, how to become a photographer, which I thought was just, some yeah. it was amazing. <laughs> yeah
1: so when I was making that book in 2009 I hit up Lance I took a photo of the postcard and I emailed it to him I was like hey did you actually write this thing you know and he was like yeah absolutely that's my handwriting I was like wow (laughs) like it's so like blown away and now that like you know now to be able to call a dude like Lance who I looked up to so much as a kid and still do but you know like guys like Grant and and things like that is is pretty mind-blowing so
0: no it's cool and i guess when you got to sf like what do you remember most about those days like what was like a typical day for you like what what gear were you using back then when you first started shooting uh what do you remember about those like early days shooting for like mad circle and trans world i guess
1: i mean it was literally just having fun with my friends i just i can't phrase it any other way like I had I didn't even have a camera bag. Like I had like a Jam Sport like backpack <laughs> with like a sweatshirt with an F four and a fisheye lens on it. Um and I had a, a one oh five two eight micro Nikor mm-hmm. um lens that I bought as a as a kid when I worked at Ritz. Someone was selling it, you know, that came into the store. And I had two eventually had two Sunpak potato masher flashes Mm. and pocket wizards and like that was it so just two flashes a long lens and a fisheye and like a jansport bag wrapped up
0: in like a hoodie or two and that was like my kid that's awesome for for years um so no that's cool and i guess how long did you end up staying in san francisco for because i think mad circle how long did they stick around for it was only i don't think too long it was like maybe like were they even around 10 years I think I don't even know
1: no no not long enough yeah. um, they were only around from I think Justin started Mad Circle in 93 yeah. um, and it folded at the end of 97 oh wow so I, you know and that was at a time in the city where it was like things were starting to get really expensive in San Francisco and I'm like fuck I just pretty much lost my job and then like yeah. everyone like coincidentally because of the way things were in the city in San Francisco, everyone kind of moved south, like all the skaters, like you know Mike Carroll and and Chico and Scott Johnston and Huff and Mesa, and everyone kind of migrated to L.A. because that's where the skate scene was kind of moving. So I moved there too, just coincidentally, and then just kind of that's how I started working for Girl and Chocolate um, while they were filming the Chocolate Tour.
0: I like it, man. This you make it sound so easy, man. This comes together so. Uh, uh... Easy is kind of <laughs> <of> naturally because <laughs> um, that's one thing about like shooting skateboarding, which is uh, kind of a bummer in a sense. I was going to ask you this question because um, I remember I met with grand Britain like years ago when I was like me like, like eighteen or something, and he basically said he's like, yeah, if you're not shooting like the sponsor guys, the top guys, even if it's like a great photo, we basically can't publish it because it needs to be like the guys that are sponsored by the companies and stuff. And the thing I was gonna ask you is like, have you ever like shot a photo that you really liked? Because obviously there's so many good skaters out there in San Diego, LA, and they might not be sponsored. But have you ever shot photos that you really enjoy it? But you, it's hard to get it published because those guys might not be well known or something like that. Absolutely,
1: I mean, yeah, that's that is a thing. You know what I mean? But it's no different. It's no different than going to like shooting someone at a basketball court that's incredible mm. but they're not like you know they don't play for the lakers or they don't play for like the knicks mm. so it's just like how are you gonna get that photo this a random dude in like sports illustrated like it's the same thing you know where True. it's you know and it is this thing where like you know i mean magazines are dictated by advertisers and like yep you know like so it's just like if this guy's sponsored by this company and they're running ads in the magazine, then he's more likely to get a photo there than some other random dude that has no sponsors. You know that's just how it works,
0: yeah, it's tough sometimes it works out though i I think the skateboard mag and even other magazines, they would give other like lesser known dudes a a shot sometimes and get some photos in there, so it is yeah yeah, no for sure. it's an interesting aspect, but I guess once you got to l a you said you were shooting for you were staff for shooting for girl and chocolate skateboards once you got down there. Yes, and what what was the yeah. uh, when was what video were they working on once you were down there? What was that like, early '90s or mid '90s?
1: It was late '90s. Um, I worked for Girl for about a year, even though it seems like a longer period of time, especially looking back on how much film I shot yeah. that year. Um,
0: but they were filming the Chocolate Tour at the time. Damn, yeah. Because in your book, you had some cool like behind the scenes photos of like when they're filming the skits. Uh, what was it like w- working with like Spike Jones? Uh, did he, cause I'm guessing you were working with him when they were filming all those like the chocolate tour skits and whatnot, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I mean it was insane. It, I mean everyone there, you know, Rick and Andy Jenkins, um, Spike, of course. Like everyone was amazing. And when I worked, when I started working for Girl, it was the first time that it actually really, truly dawned on me that, like, man, like, I, this stuff is, like, kind of important that I'm shooting, you know? Like, before then, I was just like, fuck it, I'm with my friends, and we're, like, taking photos, and, like, I got, you know, and I got enough photos for, like, beer money and rent, like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, but then, like, that year, '98, my son Noah was born, and I was like, wow, I got a mouth to feed, and I've got you know, I have the opportunity to skate with, I mean, I, I watched video days again and again and again and again. I mean, I actually watched Guy's part twice yesterday, (laughs) um, showed it to my daughter. And so for me to be able to like photograph dudes like Guy and, and Costin and Carol and Rick and Gabriel and like all those dudes like Chico, you know, I really, I, I was like, fuck, I can't, I couldn't get enough of it. You know, like I was like, I have to document this as best I possibly can. Like I, I felt like a responsibility to do that because I knew that it was something that was probably going to be looked back on mm-hmm. years later. And that was the first time that something like that, that thought occurred to me where before when I was in San Francisco, now looking back at film, I kicked myself cause I'm like, man, like why didn't I just snap a photo of like all the dudes playing dice at pier seven? Like yeah. what, like, you know like those images like photographs are like baseball cards where they get they just are they retain they just get valuable over years especially if they're of certain people and like you know that was that was very true of like you know when you're working with dudes like everyone that rode for girl and chocolate and andy and spike and all those dudes where i was like fuck i I better shoot the shit out of all this, and I and I did, fortunately.
0: Yeah, because it's like I think you just grow as a photographer, and you just get better at it, and you you, you understand, like you said, that the it, it's like the the photo might be the littlest, like monotonous thing you shoot today, or uh, that you don't think is that interesting, but in like 15, 20 years, it, it could just mean so much more. It's just like it grows, like you said, in in time. Uh, it, it takes a while to learn that, I think. Um, what do you remember most about working for the girl guys? Is there, like, a moment kind of sticks out in mind working for those guys, you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think just being able to watch them, you know, watching Spike, uh, making all those skits, having the opportunity to work with someone like Andy Jenkins, mm-hmm. who creatively is, like, still one of the best people that I've ever worked with in my entire career. So I think just moments like that, plus I mean, I literally shot photos seven days a week yeah. like I would like no no shit like would go out every single day, and most o- more often than not, I would start at Eric's house because mm-hmm. Eric was always down to skate, yep. so like I would literally be on his porch before I woke up with like a coffee, <laughs> like sitting <laughs> like, because he had this he had this house of Vera like off of melrose and like i would just like post up there because it was pretty central to everyone Mm -hmm. and like just post up and go skating you know whether it was usc or wherever we ended up that day um and then i i would go out with like different crews of people so sometimes i would go out and shoot like two or three different sessions a day so it was like i was out a lot like it's crazy
0: and was like pretty everyone pretty much welcoming to you cuz like a girl and chocolate crew is a big crew so I, I did you know everybody as soon as you moved down to sf or did it kind of take a while to kind of get to know everybody on the on the on the team or it, was it all pretty easy kind of getting to know everybody pretty much it was
1: i mean everyone was super super nice you know what i mean like and really fucking cool and like yeah you know and i'm I've always considered myself, and still to this day, like, pretty mellow, you know, like, because I'm a skateboarder, like, I grew up skating, so I understand that if you don't feel like skating a particular day, like, I get it, like, if you don't feel like hucking yourself down something, or doing whatever, so I was was always pretty mellow about it, and there were so many dudes, so there was always something to shoot. shoot. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Like, so, you know, it was fun, like, you know, go to Lockwood, and, like, hang out, and you know, shoot a photo of Mike and turn around and, like, oh, there's the menace dudes and, like, snap a photo of them. Like, it was just, it was, it was crazy.
0: Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever feel like a pressure? Cause obviously, like, when you're, like, staff photographer at DC and things, um, does, like, the, I don't know, the marketing team ever give you, like, pressure? Like, hey, we need a photo of this guy, but this, maybe, cause, like, you, as you know, there's so many factors that go into shooting a escape photo. It's not just, like, shooting a normal, like, commercial photo. There's, like, you got to go to the spot. There, it can't be security. The guy has to land the trick. Is there ever like stress, like where DC needs a photo? Is there any pressure? Is it more this kind of pretty mellow, like you said, or is there ever kind of pressure sometimes to m- make stuff happen?
1: There is, but I don't look at it like that. I mean, if things go south, of course, you get bummed. You know, like if the weather is bad or you get kicked out or. Whatever happens, you just got to keep trying until you get it. And that means like, all right, cool. Like I got, we got kicked out of this bank. I'll go to the front door and look at their hours. See when they're open, go back when they're closed. You know what I mean? Like you just, you figure it out. Like you could skate it in the middle of the night because there's not a lot of traffic and you just, you have to sort it out. And I think the most pressure that I felt is shooting stuff that people, when people are doing something really gnarly, Mm -hmm. Then that, like, that to me, I felt pressure. Because I'm like, man, this person could die. So I should not fuck this up. Like, it better be in focus. Yeah. And this shit better come out. <laughs> so, like, you know, like, Danny's jumping over the Great Wall of China. Like, can't, yeah. I, if that photo's no sharper than my elbow and I flew all the way to China, like, that's yeah. not good. Like, so, F- F-16, F-16. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um yeah but some of that shit you know like we're filming at night at the super ramp and you know greg's filming hunt is filming the commercial and there's two 20k lights pointing straight into my camera and i have to figure out how to balance all that out yeah with film you know like i'm shooting like polaroids and like looking at them on like the deck of a ramp in the middle of the night and yeah. so that type of stuff is like really trained me to where now like when i do commercial work it's just like cool this is easy like Mm -hmm. i love this this is so much fun
0: (laughs) yeah it's basically it's kind of being prepared and you know this kind of letting the, letting the day unfold and putting the guys in a good spot. And if it happens, it happens. If not, it's not. Because, just, just, like, pressure in these skaters isn't going to work out. Because uh, I've, seen, I've seen, like, skate photographers, they really try to, like, make stuff happen. And I don't think – you can't force skating. It's, like, it's either going to happen or it's not. And it's just, like, being prepared and just being there. And the guys are going to do it or they're not. Yeah, that's never been my yeah of, like – we got to fucking do this, bro. Like, or
1: just fucking being some coach. Like,
0: you don't have have a, like a a three ring binder of like 900 spots. (laughs) Like I remember going to California. No, I remember going to California my first time in LA. And there was like this filmer kid. I mean, I'm not hating on him, but it was just funny. I never thought about it. It was like, he literally had a three ring binder of like every spot. And he was basically just trying to like sell the spots as skaters. Skaters like, yo, we should go here. We should go here. I was just like, whoa, I was like, calm down, man. You know, I will
1: say that I did have a Thomas guide <laughs> okay, okay. that was that had hella post-it notes in it. Yeah, um, Julio De La Cruz knew of so much shit in East L.A. and like Vernon and Compton. Yeah, you know, because no one else really ventured to those areas, especially twenty plus years ago. Like Yo. it was a little sketchy, you know. Like so, he knew of so much stuff, and I would always mark those spots. And he was like, "Bro, I don't care. Like just, just shoot." <laughs> shoot my dudes and fucking do whatever you want you know because he was homies with everyone anyway so like yeah and i've never been one to be like you know some people get really shitty about that too like i found this spot like don't take anyone else here it's like oh yeah Yeah. all right yeah yeah like fucking you you don't own the land motherfucker like just yeah be just relaxed yeah
0: no nah, it's interesting but i mean that's probably why people <laughs> like sh- that's probably why people like shooting with you you're, you're just mellow and like the, you just let people kind of do their thing and you're just there to take a good photo yeah
1: i look at myself more of like documenting what's going on rather than like making stuff
0: mm. really
1: happen and i feel like that's been the most especially with something like skating to your point it, it's just not something you could force out you yeah. know especially if you're not feeling it you yeah. know and, the bigger something gets or the more dangerous it gets, the more you try to force it, the more you're putting
0: someone at risk, you know, and I've, I've always recognized that even when I was a kid, you know, yeah. so. No, that's smart. Uh, and, and, you know, one photo I had to ask you about, uh, you photograph Eric Costin, legendary skateboarder, uh, backside nose blunting, hubba hideout, uh, legendary spot, um, what do you remember about that day because i did they i think it ended up Did it end up being used as a cover i forget
1: it did it was my first cover that i ever got
0: damn that's a good first um, cover man
1: fuck i know right <laughs> and it was the cover of a trans world photo annual and those photo annuals i remember growing up as a kid i mean i had to like would just it would fall apart because i looked at them so much and i just remember looking at like O's photos and spike jones and like mickey and grant britain and like mm. i mean it was like amazing so to have the cover of that was like big deal it was pretty fucking awesome yeah um but that that photo was shot we were driving up north to vancouver um to go to a contest that was was really big at the time of their slam city contest and i remember Mesa giving eric shit the whole way up like when are we gonna film you back I was about hubba? And I was like, "Is he joking?" And then, but he wasn't. So we, you know, I think we were skating mini hubba or like the pier or something, and we just kind of cruised over. Mm. And there was a lot of people, you know, like grumblings, like knowing what he was gonna do. So there's quite a few people there, and he did it pretty quickly. Mm. And I just, I do remember thinking, like, "Fuck, I hope I got that." You know what I mean? Like, um, but <laughs> but luckily. I did, and it was crazy because I framed it so tight because, yeah. you know, I had that 105 lens. Oh, damn. It's not like I had, like, a zoom lens or anything, so it was, like, I, I remember, like, his hand is, like, barely in the top of the frame and shit, and I was, just like, man, like, so stoked when I saw the film. It was I like I,
0: I like looking at it now because the simplicity of it, there's not like a lot of flashes where a lot of skate photography now, it seems like a lot of strobes, but you just use kind of natural light. Uh, was that just kind of your basic kind of workflow back then pretty much? Or is that just kind of how it ended up that day, you think? Well, that day it ended up that way because Rick, I forget what he was
1: trying, everyone asks, but he was skating the other side of the hideout because mm-hmm. of spot. You know, had two ledges on both sides, and you know that spot is kind of dark. It's, it was under trees and stuff, and so I remember running to the drugstore and getting Konica 3200 speed print film, <laughs> which is like such <laughs> shitty film. And and I remember doing like two snip tests on it, um, because I knew that he didn't land the trick until you know probably like around the fifteenth frame or so Mm -hmm. of film so i had the first like two frames like processed and i ended up pushing it a stop and a half so it was really really grainy which now it looks like a crayon drawing when you make a big print of it it looks amazing you know so I, i i did i did used to use a lot of like 3200 speed black and white like TMAX 3200 and just I love the look of grain yeah I would even use it in the middle of the day you yeah. know and just like put an orange filter on, like just get as much contrast and grain as I possibly could
0: out of stuff yeah like the one photo you shot of Danny Way on the mega ramp where he's doing front nose blunt I think I think I read you shot it at the end of the day it's basically like dusk and you just like overdeveloped the shit out of it but it looks awesome because it's just like so grainy and the blacks are like super rich you know
1: Yeah, that one was... I mean, it was literally dark. And I was like... And Greg Hunt, who was filming, you know, he's filming everything in Super 16. He's like, Danny, like, it's, it's dark. Like, what? You know, and like you have more leeway with a film camera than you do with a still camera. Yep. And Danny, you know, just like, what the fuck? Like, what's up with your shitty camera? Like, I can see just flying. And I'm just like, dude, like, yeah. and then he would be like, why is it so dark? You know what I mean? I'm just like, dude, you are impossible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that one was, again, like, I marked the role where he landed the nose blunt, mm-hmm. and I kept two rolls before and two rolls after and ended up processing two rolls before eventually processing the actual make and, like, developed the shit out of it. Like, it was, like, 85-degree temperature, and, like, I mean, I probably pushed it to, like, at least 12,500, you know? It was, like, really black and white. Because the first roll of film, I pulled it out, and I'm like, oh, there's nothing on the film because <laughs> there's nothing there. And would you so. actually
0: physically process all your own, all your own film, like with all that, like the makeramp stuff or would you, would lab do it or yes. you, you would actually do it yourself?
1: I processed all the black and white
0: stuff wow. um,
1: myself just because I, I enjoyed having all of the, I mean, I grew up shooting film, you know? So like I, I enjoyed like, Oh, well, you know, it was, this is a little underdeveloped or that's, or, or sorry, underexposed, so I'll overdevelop it, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You just have so much more control, and it's just another step in the process of yep. like making it. And that's how I grew up, like reading Ansel Adams books and mm-hmm. shit like that. Like that process of photography. Yeah. So like all the black and white stuff I did myself. That's awesome. Um, you know the slide film, I didn't process E6. Yeah,
0: it's um, too it's too hard.
1: Well, it's just, I had such a shitty darkroom, and it was, like, literally under the vert ramp, yeah. and, like, you know, and Danny helped me build it, like, we went to Home Depot one day and just <laughs> installed a sink and, like, built some crappy shelves, like, it wasn't, like, temperature-controlled,
0: like, super-precise dark yeah. room, to say the least, you, but... Yeah. Do you um, do black you, and white was easy. You miss the uh, the film days. Do you still shoot film at all, film at all now, or, is there, or do you miss it at all, or what, what's your take these days?
1: Um, well, w- film and I have been apart for a while, <laughs> so I'm starting to miss it. Yeah. So you know, yeah, I I, I do. I, I I really do miss it. You know, it's cameras are to a point now, digital cameras, and they're so. They're so insane and so precise, and mm-hmm. they, you know, the sensors are such that you can see in the dark. And, like, you know, so I can shoot things the same way, and I still see things like, oh, well, this I would have shot with T 3200, and, like, I would give it some contrast. So I'm able to make things look the same way that they would have had I shot film, mm-hmm. but I do actually miss film, especially for portraiture. Um, so uh, my friend Jacob Rosenberg recently bought a Hasselblad and I was just like man like I got to I got to use that thing dude <laughs> like, <laughs> like really really have to use it so yeah. I am going to start shooting some film and I'm I'm working on a portrait project and so I'm going to I'm going to put some film through this Hasselblad for sure
0: No that's awesome man and I guess, like, once you you were only a girl for a year, um, what was kind of your next step? I know you, you spent a lot of time with DC. Was that kind of your next move after working with the girl guys?
1: Yeah, it was kind of a natural thing, again, where, like, you know, Rick and Mike, Huff, Scott, were all skateboarders that rode, you know, for DC, and I was friends with all those guys. So one day, Ken blocked. Um, you know, who started DC with Damon Way just hollered at me and was like, Hey, do you want to work for DC? And I was just like, fuck, that would be amazing. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. Cause they were the first company to really like sort of think outside of skateboarding where like, you know, they did the two page ads and like yeah. the photos were really big. They went, and they like went the big, they went big,
0: they went big, man. They went big,
1: <laughs> uh, which I was like, fuck, you know, like it would be so insane to like, you know, before I started working there was when like Danny jumped out of the helicopter into like the giant ramp they built for him. And like their two page ads and I was like, fuck yeah, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, did so. you, shoot,
0: you shoot that or was it Mike Ballard?
1: Um, Ballard, and uh dave swift and skin yeah um and grant and don't stop that and
0: don't don't forget about dan sturt (laughs) i was just gonna say dan (laughs)
1: stewart dressed up as an airplane mechanic in the middle of the field hiding from everyone yeah
0: that's fucking hilarious i uh, that uh, that guy was one of the i don't know where he is these days but dan sturt anybody listening go look at his skate photography because it's he just had such a distinct style
1: He is phenomenal, yeah. He is an amazing photographer.
0: Yeah. And I guess when you got to D.C., uh, who was on the team when you first started working for him?
1: Um, Same crew as the original, like, Super Tour days. Um, You know, so it was, like, um, Danny, Colin, Deirdre, Kalis, um, Carol, Rick Howard, um, Huff, Scott. You know, like, all those dudes rode you know, for, for DC when I very, when I first started and it was shortly before, you know, Rick and Mike left to start Lakai and, um, I'm not sure who Scott rode for, maybe it was Lakai, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, like people sort of scattered, but then, you know, there was like, there was that era where we started making the DC video shortly after that. Um, we kind of started in late, the idea was kicked around the late. 90s, yep. 99, and then we really started in
0: 2000. So no, it's pretty amazing. And you get you guys shot. You know, one series of portraits you shot. It was like with a bunch of guys that you, you guys got. I don't know if it was like taxidermied animals or something. And you would like. <laughs> what, what was that all about? It they're they're just like really unique. They're really cool. uh I'll try to pull them up online and link it. But they were. It, I think you shot like Deer deck and maybe like Kenny Hughes. Possibly I forget.
1: So that idea came about. Um, I was shooting Rob Deardick. He um, <laughs> he was um, have, he had a big brother interview, mm-hmm. and I had lunch with Jeff Tremaine, Dave Carney, Deerdik, and myself. And I remember Rob, you know, they were like, "Hey, you're going to get the cover," and Deerdik's like. I want it to be, like, I want, like, a tiger, and I want, like, three girls, like, holding this tiger, and I, like, want my fans and I want to be skating, and I'm just, like, holy shit, like, how the fuck am I going to shoot this, you know? And so we, you know, I found this place, Bischoff's, in L.A., that they're, they're a taxidermy place, and, you know, I will watch, regularly watch commercials on TV to this day, and I'm, like, oh. That's that penguin I used in 2000, you know, like, like for hands down, like know where the spots are, everything on the, yeah. on the poor thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got the, got the, got everything together. Um, uh, you know, at the time big brother magazine was through Flint publications. Mm-hmm. So they got some adult film stars yep. to come And a fort. Unfortunately, They are as reliable as some skateboarders. So, only one of the three showed up who, like, this girl was like, she was rough, dude. Like, she was like, How are you paying me? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, like, fucking. So, it was, so whatever. She, she, like, stood there and held the tiger and Derek skated the rail and I lit up his bends. Yeah. And Ken Block thought the photo was so funny. He's like, What if we did a series of apparel ads like this? And I was like, Oh, God all right so yeah it was like it was calling and a moose yep um and a bentley Jeez. um so i'd rent rented a bentley and a fucking moose like the moose was gnarly like you know i had to insure the thing for like 40 grand i had to take the antlers off strap it into a fucking box truck and you know like it's not like a commercial job like i didn't pull a permit or anything so like yeah. i went to vernon because i knew it was like such a hoodie area that no one would give a shit so i'm like in the hood with a bentley and a moose yeah and like calling like just literally in the middle of the street and the, the cops came and they're like what what the fuck are you doing yeah. and i'm just like just <laughs> shooting this man doesn't this look like fun and they were just like oh my god be careful and just like left you know
0: yeah man yeah it was a really interesting series because it was just so so, yeah, that is interesting. Uh, I had to ask you about that. Um, yeah, because, like, when you got to D.C., like, was it a different uh, vibe than, like, being a staff photographer for a girl? Did they give you a lot of creative direction on what they wanted? Uh, was it just kind of similar to your previous role, or how did it kind of differ from being a staff photographer for a girl, you think?
1: It didn't really differ that much because, at the end of the day, it was skating. And Ken... Ken was amazing to work with and for because he just, he allowed me to do whatever he's like, just do your thing, you know, like just whatever. And I would, cause he knew that I was shooting so much, you know, like it just kind of word got around when I like, when I worked for girl, you know, cause Kelly Bird was the team manager at the time. And he was friends with, you know, a lot of the guys that, you know, obviously rode for girl, um, you know, and the, I just can do that. I was out every day shooting and like, just trying to be as creative as I could. And he also was a guy that would recognize something and know that it was good. And that is so important because, you know, I could just like Stevie's, um, for a shoe ad, for example, I literally just, I shot portraits of him. Mm-hmm. I tried out some new film and processed it and made prints in, in my darkroom. And I remember throwing a print, you know, like an eight by 10 print on his desk. And he was like, looked at it and he laughed and he was like, that's Stevie's first shoe at. And I was like, really? We don't got to get a skate photo. And he was like, nope, this is way better than a skate photo. And I was like, fuck. All right. You know, so it was like, that was the cadence at how we worked a lot, you know? So it was like, DC video, like just you go out with Greg and you do your thing and just give me everything. And he always knew what to do with it. And put it out there so yeah. it was it was awesome
0: yeah it's pretty cool it sounds like they didn't really micromanage things they just kind of trusted people let them do their things and that's why kind of everything was pretty amazing dc video and whatnot and like how did you kind of like because you've probably photographed danny way more than any other skate photographer how, how did your kind of relationship with danny start um did you just kind of meet him when you first started working for dc or how did it all kind of start for you Was <clears throat> well, funny because the first
1: time i ever met danny was in 1989 in Lansing, Michigan, and it was the first pro vert contest he ever won. Wow. And I met him because I, I, you know, kind of, you know, I was affiliated with the shop that sponsored the event, um, Modern Skate in Lansing, and they sponsored the contest, so I actually had access to, like, go in and, like, shoot photos. Wow. So the first photo I ever shot of him was the first pro contest, post provert contest that he ever won. And I remember my friend and I like gave him and Sergio Ventura a ride to their like hotel rooms. And like, I was just remember as a kid being like, fuck that's Danny way, you know, like it was insane. And so the, we didn't really hang out again until 10 years later in 99 when I started working for DC. And the first thing I ever shot of him then was the second time he jumped out of the helicopter in Vegas for like the crazy MTV contest. Wow. And I just remember, like, how... I was like, hey, man, what's up, Mike? Like, I work for DC. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I <laughs> fucking jump out of a helicopter. I just remember thinking, like, this dude is insane, so...
0: Yeah, was that, like, an intimidating thing when you first started working with them, or you, do you remember what your, your mindset was like when you first started kind of working with Danny, I guess? Because he is, like... I was lucky enough when I when I would go stay with Gallant and, like, watching that guy skate vert, he's just, like, really intense and, like, dedicated to what he's <laughs> doing. Like, it's really amazing to watch. But do you remember, like, when you first started working with him, was it, like, intimidating at first? Or did it kind of take you a while to kind of build that rapport with them?
1: Um, I think it did. You know what I mean? And it, it we – I – trusted that he was going to do what he said he was going to do, and he trusted that I wasn't going to blow it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was the whole thing, like, especially the DC video was was pretty gnarly, because like, a lot of the ramp stuff was in the middle of nowhere in California, and so I remember, like, you know, I'd be skating at USC with Ave and Deerdick and he's like, dude, i fucking, I'm going to skate tomorrow, and I'm just like, man, like, <laughs> you know like it was just i was like dude i i come on man like i gotta get this out of abe and he's like what do you want fucking you want to shoot a two inch high ledge or fucking a 65 foot gap dude get your fucking ass out here like yeah i just remember thinking like oh my god this guy's insane you know yeah. um but it was good like i was there for every single session and shot the shit out of it and that was before social media um so no one knew what we were doing like mm-hmm. i just had this binder of film that i was just accruing yeah. and just you know like sharing it with people the first time was always it was always fun to see the reaction of like what he was doing on a skateboard was like pretty astonishing
0: yeah because like when when DC decided to make the DC video um like how far in advance were they like planning that like the mega ramp and stuff like was that basically this like Danny's creation because like for people listening the mega ramp uh, go google the mega ramp Danny way it's like this it's a massive ramp. There was nothing like it beforehand. Like, how much planning like went into that? Like, was it was all pretty much Danny's idea to kind of create that? Yes. Yeah, um, I mean, he
1: had built a structure similar to that in 2002 for this. I forget even who sponsored the contest, but it was some random like pay-per-view contest, and he wanted to do the longest air into the highest air basically so that kind of that was how yeah. that design of that structure sort of came about yeah. and then he took what he learned from building that ramp and put it into the mega ramp yeah. which i made the name up by the way and never got a red cent for it <laughs> <laughs> i remember going there and i was like fuck this thing's a mega ramp and yeah. you know then it just that's what it was called from there on out because i had never seen anything like it i mean you know the the big gap at its smallest from the takeoff ramp to the landing was over 60 feet and the quarter pipe was 27 feet tall. I mean, there was just, it was bigger than a house, you know? So it was just, it was insane seeing someone going like 20 feet high on a 27 foot ramp. I mean, they're, they're almost five stories off the ground, you know, like it was, it was insane to watch, you know? So that was like, you know, again, one of those points where I'm like, I had really better not fuck this up, because I was the only person there photographing it.
0: Yeah, and it almost must have been, like, a challenge, because at that point, you probably never photographed anything. there's nothing like it. Like you, you, go, <laughs> you, you go from shooting, like, street skating, maybe a vert ramp, but just, it's, it's so much larger. It's like, it did almost, like, was it a challenge, It's like, the composition-wise? Because it's this capturing all that in one picture and trying to tell the story of like each trick it must have been kind of a challenge just how massive it was it was difficult to show
1: the sense of scale yeah unfortunately that ramp was in an area where it was like pretty open and so you could get really far back on it and you could photograph it with a longer lens and in not compress it but give the skater have it give it more of a true sense of scale Where other ramps, I mean, there's been amazing photographs shot on Bob's ramp, Mm -hmm. but it's in a valley and it's this giant structure. So shooting with like a really wide lens just doesn't give it any justice because Mm -hmm. you could shoot a small ramp and make it look the same as this like 30 foot tall ramp, you know? So it's just like you have to get really far back and give it a sense of scale. So that's the location of the first that mega ramp for the DC video allowed me to kind of do that. And I remember Greg and I, we built, um, we rented so much scaffolding and built like all these filming platforms, like super far away to give it so that we could be above all the brush and trees Mm -hmm. and shoot straight at the ramp and give it that sense of, of scale or try to, you know, it's, it's nothing like being there in person because of the sounds and everything else, you know, hearing someone skate and going 45 miles an hour yeah. is just insane in person, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, what do you remember most about, like, what was, like, a typical session like? It was basically just you, Danny, and Greg, pretty much, is kind of going out to the middle of nowhere, and, like, how how long would he session that ramp for? Because it's, like, I can't imagine, like, it's not like a normal vert ramp, like, would he go for hours? Like, what was a typical session like when you guys were working on that project, I guess?
1: It was days
0: of just sheer
1: boredom like in in with like points of just um, so much excitement in between (laughs) so because you we were we would camp there for days on end wow and you know because it is so big um you know we he would skate it for a few hours yeah um but the thing you know total was like maybe a hundred yards long so there was a golf cart there's usually a homie there to drive the golf cart Yep. and it would just you know he would do a run like in whatever get on the golf cart drive to the top of the ramp stand up on the ladder <laughs> wait for the wind to be right like it was just it was insane it was like a rocket launch every time you mm-hmm. dropped in because everything like had to be right you know so it was like it was a bit of a process to say the least.
0: Yeah, it's pretty so, amazing. And like like how would you describe Danny way like the guy like I said he just seems so intense. Like what sets that guy apart from everyone else you think cuz this he just seems like in my mind he there's not many people like that guy.
1: No, I mean there he, you know, he definitely when he was filming for the DC video was you know, he's he's competitive. He's like a jock, you know, so it was like <laughs> so he wanted to have the best part. Yeah. And physically, you know, he's definitely tougher than, I mean, anyone in any sport that I could ever fathom. And I mean, I'm sure you've heard that yeah. from other people. Um, You know, and the injuries that he's, he's had growing up as a skateboarder was like breaking his neck and having, I don't know, I mean... I don't know how many surgeries the dude's had, but just, it's insane, you know, and in, in, in watching him film for that was, was definitely a crazy experience. And in hindsight, I didn't think much of it, Mm -hmm. you know, because it was what, 16 plus years ago and I was still relatively young at the time, but man, in hindsight, we were idiots. Like we were in the middle of nowhere no medical, nothing, no cell phone service, yeah. like nothing, dude. We were just in the middle of nowhere just skating this giant structure. Like it was it was pretty insane.
0: Yeah, it's nuts. And I just saw like, an interview last night Danny Way did like this week with Andy Roy. And <laughs> I, I didn't realize Andy Roy has a podcast, but he does. And it was actually honestly pretty fucking good. Uh, but Dan, yeah. Danny Way was talking about the next thing he wants to do. Is he wants to get a blimp, and he wants to jump out? <laughs> jump! I'm sure you've already heard of this. He wants to jump out of the blimp into a 70 foot quarter pipe in Tokyo. Uh, it, I mean, sure, great. It, like it, it, when he says it, he's like, do you even doubt him at this point? This because like he almost he can't because he just keeps doing it.
1: He does. I mean, I I yeah. That's. <laughs> you can't doubt it I question why you would want to do that but I certainly don't question if he would do that if there was a 70 foot ramp and a, a a blimp to get a ride on yeah um you know like it's Fuck. I mean,
0: yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, it it was nuts. Um, you know, the one I got. Did he say at, how far above the seventy foot yeah, he ramp said, he was going well, to be? He said he's already worked out the math, Mike. He said he's gonna have <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's he's got he's gonna have the blimp. It's gonna be um a fifty foot drop into the seventy foot because he says uh the seventy foot will give him enough room for air to land in the transition. So he said he said it should work. He's just working out the logistics. It's I like... mean,
1: shit is a pretty big word when you're jumping out of a blimp. But
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was pretty amazing. Um, you know, the one I had to ask you about, like, probably one of your most famous photos, I would imagine, is uh, the Great Wall of China. Danny Wade jumps the Great Wall of China. Like, how far in advance was that planned? And, like, when they told you that at first, what was kind of your reaction? And, I guess, what was your whole experience, I guess, shooting that? Honestly, my reaction
1: was a little underwhelming um because he had just finished filming for the DC video mm-hmm. and and you know he just finished like noseblunt sliding a rail going 40 miles an hour and like jumping a gap that was basically the same size as what the Great Wall gap was I mean granted it was bigger the ramp was like a little bit bigger yeah. you know and like so I was just like ah whatever I'll go you know like and, and but in hindsight it was pretty amazing. And the whole experience was incredible because the Chinese government, you know, basically, um, you know, Danny came up with the idea, but had kind of set the whole thing up and there was a national work stoppage across all of China. So like billions of people were watching it and like to, to be able to be taken to the great wall of China and be allowed to like have that place all to yourself yeah, to shoot skateboarding is like pretty insane, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, in hindsight looking back on it and especially after like jacob rosenberg made the waiting for lightning documentary and like just everything about that experience i was just like okay that was pretty tight i was there you know like it was <laughs> it hell <laughs> it was yeah man
0: <laughs> jesus yeah it was nuts like the craziest part in that documentary is the part where like there was the ramp wasn't high enough so they basically just had to like this rig, like this janky, like rolling to give him enough speed at like the last minute, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Janky being the key word, because it was the ramp kind of just swayed back and forth and it was all built on scaffolding. And like, it was sketchy for sure. Um, And, you know, like, again, looking back on it, um, especially considering he broke his foot the day before the actual jump and rolling in on that, you know, 70 foot roll in on the edge of like the great wall of China, basically. So if he went off the edge of the ramp, like he's instantly dead. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely sketchy to me. One of the more, one of my favorite photos from that session was just him standing on the roll in by himself Mm. and just with the wall, you could see the wall in the background. Like, it's just insane. We're just like, (laughs) I've found myself over the years in certain situations like that where I just like, have to laugh at myself because I'm just like this is insane like how did I get here yeah um you know <laughs> and that's true shooting other stuff you know like mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough to shoot like all of Ken Block's like Jim Connor like car stuff and yeah. like Robbie Madison riding a motorcycle on a wave in Tahiti. You know, it's just like, yeah. you're just like, this is insane. Like <laughs> Yeah,
0: and all it goes back to D.C. It seems like they really just have the backs of, like, if if any of these guys have an idea, it seems like they, they're they willing to support people and, like, kind of do these projects because a lot of these projects, they they aren't cheap, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, Ken
1: and Damon have always been really smart about that, you know, and, and supporting you know, not only Danny, but just like everyone on the team and like spending the money to like travel for three years to make a video and like Mm -hmm. just doing stuff that, that had some substance and that would be remembered and looked back on and that was important. Mm -hmm. And that I think today gets lost with like, not DC, but like, a a lot of companies where they just they have this need to like just put out like content you know and no one stops to think about like okay i want to do this thing and like this is how people are going to feel about it and that's only what was done back then because there wasn't social media and there wasn't the need to like just make all this like stuff all the time you know it's
0: it's like quality over quantity yes
1: yeah so that was another thing you know and and also, you know, like of course, like building I mean, I have no idea how much that mega cost, but it definitely was not cheap. And I, I think know. him jumping over the Great Wall of China, I think that whole thing was like a million bucks, you know, like it was it was pretty <laughs> it was yeah. pretty
0: expensive. No, it's amazing. And you know, one thing I was kinda curious about, like being like you're a staff photographer for like DC and there's like a team of riders and there's a lot of people you're shooting um does it ever get tough like eventually obviously things happen like riders get either kicked off or they leave is it kind of like a weird situation sometimes like where you kind of build this relationship with these people you're traveling with them shooting with them and the teams kind of evolve is that kind of tough like situation sometimes it is i mean you know but
1: it's just it is skateboarding and like things change Mm -hmm. i mean it changes quicker than pretty much anything else you know and it moves around a lot and yep. and it's but it's also that said it's small you know so when stevie didn't ride for dc anymore like mm. it's not like we were less of friends yep. like when i see him now 25 years later it's like you know we don't talk as much as you know and we probably should because we both have our lives and yep. we're both super busy but it's like not a day is yeah, gone by you know it's like we still hang out every day like when i see him mm-hmm. so um yeah that's another thing that i love about skating is like no matter what you do whether you film it or you shoot it or you are a skater or you're a creative person like you're all in it for the right reasons yep. you know because you love skating and that's why so many people have come out of skating and gone into other things and been so successful because it's like a pure form of like Doing what you love doing at a
0: very high level underneath, uh, you know,
1: unusual circumstances, yeah, <laughs> to definitely. say the
0: least. Yeah, definitely. And the thing that's interesting thing about, like, skate photography, I would say, is that you can't just, like, you have to be a real true skateboarder to even shoot it. Like, it's not like, um, like a I don't know, shooting weddings or, like, an, any other sport, like... You feel to be a good skate photographer, you have to earn the respect of like the skaters you're shooting. They're not just gonna like allow access to like some random dude on the street. You know, it's a, in my mind, skateboarding is all built on respect that you get you earn from like the skaters that you you're around. You know. Yeah, well, that you have to know when to shoot a, a
1: certain trick or like when it where where in the middle of it, it looks best, and that's when you see like. The photo in vogue where it's like the guy in the sky or like the dude, like just barely popping his board, you know, like it's just like, whoa, that's harsh, you know, like yep. it's really bad. It's not, it's like if you're a skateboarder, you see that instantly. We're like, wow, that person photographed that had no idea what was going on, like mm-hmm. none whatsoever. Yep. Where to your point, it's, it's, it doesn't ring true for a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, when I do photograph, like, moto or even ken blocks like car stuff i always you know i'm the first to raise my hand and be like i have no idea what's going on here yep. what are you doing and where should i shoot it
0: yeah that's a smart move because you want them you want them to be happy with the photo that you take of them because they're putting all their effort into whatever they're trying to accomplish yeah i mean that
1: like ken stuff in particular for me has been it's just so much fun to shoot. Like, yeah. it's just, it's insane, you know? And and it's been, it's been fun for me because Ken is just like, just again, like just do your thing, you know? Like, cause I work on those jobs with like, there's a guy that, you know, is like a car photographer. And then there's, there was a guy that, you know, worked with Ken directly, um, Ron, who's an incredible photographer and he's, kind of splits the difference between, like, the car photographer, like, tight on the car panning, mm-hmm. and sort of what, you know, how I would look at things, whereas, like, you know, I got to show the takeoff and the landing, like, I look at it, like, skateboarding, and I look at it, like, how is this, like, a stick photo, and just drop a car in the middle of it, type yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, so. oh, that's smart.
0: Yeah, I was always like, amazed, like, Kemp Block, because, like, I remember him, like, growing up skating, like, yeah, he was, like, the DC, like... The, the business guy, he worked at the company. And then, like, <laughs> how did, like, where did it? did he always do that car stuff? Like, did he just, like, eventually just quit, and he's like, I'm going to be a full-time, like, riding... <laughs> like, I always was curious, like, how did that all even start? Like, it was, it's so, because now he's, like, one of the most well-known, what is it? I don't even know, what do you call it? Like, rally car racing? I don't know anything about cars, really.
1: Well, yeah, I nor do I. <laughs> um... But he so he sold D.C. with Damon in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he still worked as, like, brand director for a couple of years. I think he was even obligated to contractually. But yeah. that was the time when he kind of started getting into driving. You know, and he went to rally school. And, you know, he, he really started seriously driving, um, you know, like learning how to drive. Mm-hmm. And the whole... Jim series came about because of his background with DC and being around skateboarding, where he would see these, you know, at the time just kind of starting to pop up, but like viral videos of like cars, like a car sliding into a parking spot, or like a car doing donuts around it. So like it was a single like clip, yep. but he was like, what if, what if we filmed an entire piece? of a bunch of clips and edited together like a skate park, Mm -hmm. but it's a car, you know? So that's how the whole Jim Conn video series started. And I didn't, I had no idea what he was doing. You know, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like Ken's rich and he's driving cars, (laughs) like fucking cool. People like to watch it, you know, like, and then not until the fourth one at universal studios. He's like, blaze, you should come check this shit out. So I'm like, all right. So I went up to Universal Studios, and I was tripping. I was like, wow. Like, same thing as what you said. I'm like, this is a guy who used to design shoes and layout ads. Like, what is he doing right now? Like, sliding around, like, yeah, coming inches, like, literally an inch away from something, like, just sliding around turns. And I remember one of the first, the very first photo I shot of him. You know, we were on set and I ran up and I was like, Okay, what is he doing again? you know, like trying to figure out what the fuck was even going on. Mm -hmm. They're like, Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna slide around and it was right in front of the Back to the Future set. There's a gas station there and he like kinda came around and just slid around, like came up onto the curb and slid in between like these gas pumps and like this island and just just did a donut around the whole shit yeah. first try, like came inches away from like the gas pumps, the camera people. Like, and I just remember I shot a sequence of it and I looked at my cam- back of my camera and I'm like, Holy shit. Like this is insane. <laughs> like it was crazy. And that was like one of the first
0: photos of him. I shot driving on, you know, one of those Jim Conno sets. And, yeah. Yeah. It's you fun- know, I was supposed to, it's crazy, man. I have never seen anything like it. <laughs> <laughs> they are crazy. Yeah. And they're they're
1: fun too because it's like, you know, we're standing in the middle of the freeway in Dubai that we just shut down, or like we're on the Bay Bridge and like yeah. there's just we have the, the entire Bay Bridge shut down. Like it was, it's they're pretty insane.
0: Yeah, you you photographed a lot of big personalities like from like Danny Way to Deer Deck, like Kent Block. Is like being around these guys that have like accomplished all these things. Is it is it kind of inspiring to yourself like? 'Cause like not many people get a front seat to all these crazy things that you've been a witness to, you know.
1: I mean, yeah, it's it's insane. I feel really lucky to do it. And, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself being in those situations. Yeah. Especially, you know, with the Jim Connor stuff. I mean it's of course there is danger involved, but those things I look at it like he may only do it once and there's a, it's a shitload of money. I mean, it's just super expensive. Like, I mean, it's not cheap to shut down the Bay bridge. So like, I've always put my, a lot of pressure on myself to make sure to walk away from those things. Even if it's first try with something that's like
0: memorable and like, Mm. you know, not blowing it, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite photos you shot, uh it was on the, I think the Bay Bridge. It was Josh Kalis. It was just him pushing across the bridge and no one's on it. Uh how, Was that just basically while they were filming those the car things, you, you guys kind of snapped the photo pretty much? It was. um I remember Ken
1: telling me, he's like, hey, we're going to have the Bay Bridge shut down. So, you know... I don't know, he, you know, that's all he said to me. And I was just like, okay. And Kalis was in town at the time. he's filming for DGK. Yep. And I called Josh and I'm like, hey, dude, like, I, we might get a chance to shoot a photo pushing across the, the Bay Bridge, you know, and Josh is just one of those guys that I've, so many of the photos I've shot of him over the years are have been pretty memorable for different reasons. And like, I was so stoked that he was the guy that was, you know, around, um, at the time. Yeah. And I didn't, it was just one of those things where I knew not to ask. It was going to be easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah. And Ken knew what I was doing, but no one else did. Yeah. So like we had the Bay bridge for four, four minute intervals. Okay. And so we would go up and I told Josh, I'm like, Hey,
0: okay, be quick.
1: let me go up and let me go up and check this shit out. First try. But the second time, like, Just kind of put your board at your side and, like, just be as mellow as you can and just get in the pass van with me. And if anyone asks, you're there to help me. Yep. So that's it. You know, so we went up on the bridge, the second pass, and everyone scattered because we only had four minutes. And I remember waving a CHP officer out of the way because they were up there to block traffic on the top deck. And I remember, like, starting to shoot Josh in the first AD, Jeremy losing his mind he was just like what the fuck are you guys doing and i was like don't worry about it like we're can... <laughs> yeah. i mean he's he, jeremy's such a rad dude and like the most mellow first ad but yeah. he was tripping and but afterwards i showed him the photo and he was like oh, oh okay. okay and he knew like that ken knew about it and all that stuff so he was like all right like yeah. so that's kind of how that all happened
0: I like it, man. It's just the skater's mentality: is get the photo and you <laughs> you, you, apo- you apologize after, you know. Is <laughs> <Just, laughs> get get the job done. Um, yeah, cause, Which is
1: funny because I'm not even really like a pushy dude per se, but I just that's the only way that it would have happened because I knew that like I know how those types of things work, you know. And there's like insurance issues and there's just like all this stuff where like producers I'm not and all do that. that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm like definitely not asking. Like, we're just we're literally going to run the opposite direction as everyone else <laughs> and like get this fucking photo.
0: Yeah, no, so. it's it's smart. And Josh Kalis, I think you photographed him, but probably longer than anyone because I did. If I if i correct, you guys kind of grew up together, pretty much. Um, we didn't really grow up together. We were in the skate scene together
1: as teenagers in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, he lived with his dad in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, and I was skating in Lansing, which is about an hour away. So again, like skateboarding, especially back then, um, if you skated, even if it was in the same state, you kind of knew one another, you know, type thing. Mm -hmm. So he had some sponsors that needed photos and like, I would just go and like skate with him. You know what I mean? And it was funny because he was actually, (laughs) he was grounded because he stole his dad's baseball card to buy (laughs) boards. and he lied to his dad and told his dad that i worked for trans world i was a staff photographer (laughs) and that i had to come grab him and take photos and so that's how he was allowed to go out skating with me and um yeah that was 30 years ago that was in 1989
0: damn and And, uh, yeah that's pretty amazing And then you guys went on to shoot like a lot of iconic photos from the love park era um were you kind of did you end up living in philly for a while or how did all those photos kind of come together
1: I ended up sleeping on Kayla's and Stevie's couch a lot, Um, which it was amazing because again, like there was no like, there was no like big giant trips planned or there was no like, it just wasn't like thought overly thought out the way things are now. Um, It was just like, yeah, like chaos has got a shoe coming out and like, we're going to spend a lot of time in Philly and I would just, I'd fly there for like a week, 10 days, sleep on the couch, hang out at Love every single day, and just shoot photos every day and uh, just, you know, fly home for a couple of days and then literally fly back. So I, a couple summers I spent most of the summer in, in Philly.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like, there's just, like, these little snips of time, like, there's, like, that happen within skating, and a lot of times they don't last long. It's like the EMB days during the heyday. There's that. And then, like, the Love Park era, in my mind, because that's how I was the, kind of, like, when I grew up skating, that's what I remember the most. And it's like, it's like so many of those photos are so iconic. Like, what do you remember most about shooting at Love Park with like Stevie and Kalis kind of when they're pretty much in their prime?
1: Well, you know, it was after I worked at Girl and kind of had a sense of, historically speaking, that what I was actually capturing was like hopefully going to be relevant years down the road. And, you know, I had no idea that, you know people would be hitting me up for prints of the tray flip over the can you know literally 20 years later um which still blows josh and i away Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it was a time where i was just you know new to shoot you know people hanging out and just literally shot everything that was going on at the park at the time and even if you know something wasn't even if I hadn't pulled my camera out that day, I'd kind of quietly go up to Lenny or Stevie or Kale and be like, hey, can we shoot a photo of something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, dude. Like, you know, and it was just like that, you know, I'm like, I just wanted to shoot photos every day, mm-hmm. you know, so it was, I'm, I, you know, had no idea that like Love Park would be looked back on or that time in skateboarding, but was stoked that I at least knew enough to document it as much
0: as i did yeah you know d- definitely and it's really cool now it's kind of dc's bringing back like all the old shoes like they, i think they just re-released calis's first pro shoe uh i think a couple years ago they brought back the links it's kind of it's kind of cool to see it all kind of come back now you know
1: yeah no it's amazing and it and it is like you know dc spent a lot of years kind of chasing what was happening in skating which you know is obviously always changes but now Getting back to its roots as a brand, plus, you know, people being hyped on that time in skating, because it's been 20 years since, you know, Love Park and that era in skating and kind of like a little bit bigger shoes, kind of people being hyped on them and stuff. So it kind of all is a is a good mix yeah. of like, how, you know, how and why it's happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have, like, a favorite era of, like, yeah, skating or your skate photography? Is there, like, an era of, like, when you look back at the photos, you, you enjoy that era more than others, or uh, what do you think?
1: Um, I mean, I look back at different segments um, in in get hyped for different reasons. I mean, I look at the early, early SF stuff from, like, 94 to, like, the late 90s as, like, I just remember – waking up every day and bombing the hill to downtown and skating the pier and Embarcadero and like just being so innocent and just like skating with your friends and just having fun and just shooting film and skating to the lab. And like, it's just, you know, like that time was amazing and then working for girl and getting to work with dudes like Spike and Andy Jenkins and the whole, everyone that rode for girl and chocolate and then moving on to DC and like the bigger, projects and you know having the freedom to just kind of do my thing and like having that be just elevated you know and put out everywhere was is is always been rad and still is to this day you know like i still love shooting skateboarding so much even though i've been doing it for 25 years Mm. where it's like i still enjoy even if it goes straight onto someone's phone Mm. making an image that would be something that you know they would want to put on their wall you know and and hopefully looking you know at you know years from now so yeah. i don't know how that's all going to unfold with the lack of yeah. magazines and how things work these days but there's only still... one
0: one left it's this Thrasher now right <laughs> it's... yeah yeah that's the only one left and i wonder i wonder i always wonder like i love Thrasher. I always wonder, like, would they be around as a magazine if they didn't sell all the T-shirts? Because now it's funny looking at Thrasher. I, I'm sure you see you see random people that's wearing Thrasher shirts now, and I guarantee you they don't even know what Thrasher is as a magazine because <laughs> they, they showed in Vogue. And, like, hat, hats off to them, like Tony Fatello killing it, man. Um, but I always wonder, like, would it be around if they didn't sell all the T-shirts? It's uh
1: I mean I think... they certainly wouldn't have the freedom to make his magazine maybe as thick as it is, but that said, mm. they've always done and especially in the last ten years through the evolution of like you know, a lot of things going online and like how things have changed, yeah. They've done a good job of just being mindful of what actually goes into the magazine mm-hmm. plus being very mindful of and progressive of the whole online component and how that all goes together Yeah, and not being complacent in fact that like, okay, like we got this magazine and we get checks every month yeah. and like, we're just going to keep making this magazine forever. Like they've kind of evolved with how everything has changed yep. and stayed very on brand, I guess yeah, as, yeah. as as, as, as fucking thrasher. Yeah. And that is like why, Fucking Rihanna wants to wear a hoodie because it's like that's a real, like, that's some real skateboarding. I love it, man. Yeah,
0: Thrasher's. Yeah. Like you said, like now Thrasher, if you have a Thrasher part featured on the website, that's like the equivalent of, like, I don't know, I guess having a part in. I don't know, 411 back in the day or having, I don't know, Transworld part, uh, like a video or something. Now it's kind of, it's interesting to see it all go online. Like, because I was going to ask, where do you see the place of like skate photography in the future? Because like we said, there's like so few magazines now. Do you find, do skaters still even care about getting a still photo taken these days with so much of it going on Instagram and websites? Where do you kind of see it going, you think?
1: I mean, you can look at it both ways. I mean, of course I'm sad to see there not be as many magazines, but there's also more places for photography to go in general. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you need the banner ad for the site and you need the social assets to go with the shoe and you need the stuff to go in point of sale and stores. And like, so there's still stuff. There's still a lot of places for it. So there's still, uh, you know, a giant need um, for, for it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but of course, I do miss magazines. I mean, I miss it when Transworld recently stopped printing magazines. I was really sad because yeah. that is like, that's one of the reasons why I first picked up the camera was like yep. all of Spike and Grant's images um, in Transworld back in the day and Luke Ogden and like, yep. you know, like the dudes that worked for Transworld. You know, and it was a very like, their, their point of view was very like artistic, you know, and it was just that kind of like, I like that, you know what I mean? Where it was like, I was never like really the gnarliest dude, you know, or I was just like, yep. I, but I was kind of more of like an artistic person. So I, I liked, you know, I always liked Transworld.
0: So. Yeah, man, it's it was around forever. I never when I when I was like, fuck, man. I was like, because I remember reading as kid, like getting like I always loved looking at the checkouts, like the Ams, like that was a big deal. If someone got a checkout, that was like a huge thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. It'll be it'll, it'll be interesting to see where things goes. Uh, but I guess I don't know. just to wrap up, like you've been doing this for a while. Like, what kind of keeps you going? Um, anything you're hoping to work on in the future? I guess. Well, I mean, like I said, like I
1: I mean first and foremost, I'm thankful that I get to make a living with my camera. I mean, regardless of what I'm photographing, like mm. I love you know, I I feel fortunate like whether I'm on a giant commercial set doing work for Ford or Honeywell or I'm laying in a dirty alley shooting <laughs> skateboarding. Like they both are equally like mm-hmm. fun for me to do. Yeah. Um but that said, I mean I don't know. Like I'm, I'm working on a portrait book project um, right now that's so I've, I've, you know, Kayla's DC was, was kind enough to allow Josh and I to make, we made, I think we just made like 500 copies of this book. Mm-hmm. And it's just basically like our 30 year, um, 30 years together of like shooting photos and like, you know, it's like a little hundred page book and like, so making things like that, that are tangible yep. that like people could keep, you know, as I'm, those projects for me are fun you know because it's like kind of like shooting photos for magazines you know it's like so yeah yeah so just doing stuff like that and you know keeping busy and you know trying to shoot as much skateboarding as i can and you know hopefully my phone will keep ringing for the other stuff and yeah yeah man that's
0: (laughs) i think it will man well uh i can't think enough mike i was uh i was really excited uh to talk to you because i like I said, when I, when I used to go stay out with Glan in San Diego, I was lucky enough to go on some sessions with like you and Glan and Kalis and some of the guys and i remember, i was I was probably like nineteen or twenty and i, I remember the seeing you you were shooting with like a Ellen chrome uh, huge power pack. I'd never even seen one of those before, and it blew my mind but i, <laughs> but I was but I was a young kid and i was like I was just too nervous to ask you all the questions and I'm glad uh I got a chance to talk to you, because like I said I've been a big fan of your work for years, so I, I can't thank you enough, man.
1: Oh yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a time I was getting pretty technical those
0: days. <laughs> I was like, man, this guy's lugging around a ton of gear. And it was like, I, I've told my friend, it was one of the best days of my life. I was like, we were at the DC ramp. You were shooting. It was like Sean Rogers was filming, and there was like that little perch. And me and like Richie and Ryan were just like drinking like Pacifico's Watching Danny Way <laughs> watching Danny Way. It was like the most surreal thing. Like I, I still it's like one of the best days of my life, man. So I, it, it, it was it was crazy. Um but I guess for oh, yeah, for people listening, where's the best place to check out your work? Um I mean for all of my work uh would be my website,
1: which is displaybackphoto.com. So B L A B A C photo dot com. Um and then my Instagram, which I keep that thing super skate um, and that's just playback photo as well. So that is, if you want to look at old skateboard photos, check out my Instagram. If you want to look at, you know, other stuff I point my camera at, check out my
0: website. Perfect. I'll link it. And thanks so much, man. Hell yeah. Thank you, dude. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I actually want to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PickDrop. Uh, PickDrop's a really great tool for when you need to send off those files to your clients or whoever you're working with. You can create private galleries, different folders for whatever various assignments you're working on. Uh, your clients can actually write notes on the photos and rate them. Um, I've been using it for a few months now and really enjoy it. Uh, it's just kind of helped me keep my photos organized in one spot and it's kind of streamlined my business. Um, for years, I was using like WeTransfer and Dropbox, but with PicDrop, um, it was actually designed by photographers, so they really understand what photographers need. And like I said, I've really been enjoying it, and can't can't say enough about it. And with today's podcast, if you enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, you're going to get three months free when you sign up at PickDrop.com. Um, so definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. And remember to enter the promo code PHOTO Banter, and you'll get three months free when you sign up at PickDrop.com. And also, I just got to give a big thanks to our guest, Mike Blayback. Um, It was a real pleasure talking to him. Like I said, I've been a big fan of his work for years. Uh, I was lucky enough to go skate with him in San Diego a few times and watch him shoot photos of guys like Danny Way and Josh Kalis. Um, So like I said, a big fan, so can't thank him enough for taking the time. Um, Definitely go check out Mike's website at blaybackphoto.com, as well as his Instagram at Blayback Photo, where he has a link on his Instagram. He has a print store where he has like dozens of really iconic skate photos available for print, Uh, really cool stuff up there. I'll link it in the description, but definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, as well as on my website, alexganyephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexganyephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.